0: I am, I am so glad that we, that we are resuming um, our summer series in, in Psalms this morning. We might even name the series The Songs uh, for Summer. Do you, do you remember a few weeks ago a premium music deal available offline to take with you anywhere you go? That's Psalms. And for free. Psalms are the words of God which we direct back to Him in a song. That is what we are going to do actually right after the sermon. We will take song number 59 Psalm 62 and we are going to respond to God in a song. Just just listen briefly to the words, my soul finds rest in God alone. My rock and my salvation, a fortress strong against my foes, and I will not be shaken. That, that song also reflects the, the feel of Psalm 46 that we are going to be looking at this morning. If you have your Bibles, please please turn to Psalm 46 and we'll spend the next 30 minutes or so in Psalm 46. But let me start with a Question. When will we say that God alone is our rock and our fortress? Under what condition we will own Psalm 46 as our soul song? When we confess that God of the Bible alone is God? Glance at verse 10: "Be still and know that I am God." I think verse 6 partly is the author's aim here. In displaying his power over the fallen creation in verses 1 to 3, and over the enemies of God's people in verses 4 to 7, God demand the nations to surrender to him, and confess that God alone is God in verses 8 to 11. God all-powerful, all-knowing, All present. Is that how we view God? All powerful, all knowing, all present. Indeed, that is how children often view their parents, don't they? Uh, There is a stage in which children see their parents in absolutes, even despite their failures. I remember this at one time when I was desperate in trying to get the ball into the basket. After failing ten times, I finally scored my three points. At that moment, Mari, one of the twin, my twin daughters, unreservedly shouted out, Dad, you're the best! <laughs> I have failed ten times, and she waited, and she shouted, Dad, you're the best. Well, children turned to their mom and to their dad in every single need. In their eyes, Dad is most powerful, mum is all present, parents, both parents are all-knowing, until they have proven otherwise, of course. I think my children are increasingly realizing that their dad is not really the smartest, uh, smartest, you know, pencil in, in, a, in, a, in a glass, or what would they say, or uh, sharpest, yes, and, and they're not as all-knowing as, as they thought, but that is not bad, isn't it? They, they learn that their, children, that their parents are but human. Their parents are not God. Not all-knowing, not all-powerful, not all-present. What is view, your view of God? Is He your best? As one of the songs um, a few Sundays ago. He's all my best. The all-powerful, the all-knowing, all-present Lord of the universe. Or... he may be in your mind proven to be otherwise friends i want us to see that in our relationships with god we need to stay like children if we ever want to benefit from psalm 46. although we are no longer under god's curse because of jesus we need to maintain a right view of god he is all-powerful all knowing, all present help in our trouble. Verse 1 is the foundation uh, on, on which this psalm uh, is built. Glance verse 1 The Lord of hosts is, uh, sorry, the God is our refuge and strength, a very present or well proven help in our trouble. There is no until proven otherwise with God. Because he is unchanging in his commitment and faithfulness. And verse 7 and 11 echo and confirm this truth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So let us walk through Psalm 46. And see that God alone is the secure shelter for his people. Firstly, because of his power over all the fallen people. Creation verses one to three. Well, actually, in, in verses two to three, we we have this amazing word word picture. The earth and mountains is a picture of something that that doesn't doesn't uh, change. The the sea, however, is always restless. But now, look at what happens. Earth gives away. Mountains tremble. And are moved into the sea. Where on earth could we find refuge? Now, friends, indeed, this creation has its ways of unsettling people. We recently prayed about the floods in India. Uh, We we hear wildfires in the southern Europe. The earthquakes somewhere else. It makes us contemplate. The end of the whole created scheme, and it is scary. But look, at, look again at verse 2, and what the psalmist says. Though this creation might completely collapse, we will not fear. Why? Because God is our refuge and strength, a proven help in trouble. So that's the confidence of the psalmist, but what about us here in Riga? I was chatting about that with, with Nisi, I think, as we were building the tent of meeting for our baptismal service uh, a couple of weeks ago. And, and we were chatting and we were saying, we rarely experience here in, in Latvia minor floods, uh, almost no wildfire, no earthquakes here. We don't have any poisonous snakes, scorpions, spiders, or other reptiles apart from the President Putin in in the East. Um, Other than that, Latvia is a fairly safe corner uh, on, on the face of the Earth. It's quite safe to live here, but what is the danger when you feel quite safe in this created scheme? The danger is that you, your refuge and your strength no longer is God alone, but God plus. It makes me ponder what, uh, on what gives me the sense of security in this world. What is my shelter? What is my refuge? Is God alone my refuge and strength? Or is my security found in God plus my education, maybe? or my career, God plus my family, God plus my children, God plus my business, my bank account, and so on. And friends, how quickly and seemingly uh, a seeming security and stability can be washed away by the roaring waters of verse 3. a family who recently lost the five-year-old in river gallia it was devastating to read a husband of five whose wife was taken away by cancer a senior couple uh, where, where one of the spouses made it through COVID, but the other didn't a businessman who lost his business almost overnight so on what is a christian response in such devastating life situations well I think Job helps us understand better what it means to bet everything on God alone for refuge and strength job was a man in the Old Testament who lost one in one day almost everything that might follow the plus sign job lost his children status property business everything well he was left only with his wife who wasn't much of a refuge and strength for him anyways if we know the story but job's example is helpful in two ways it reminds us that the calamities and tragedies of this world are not a direct punishment from god it's not no that, that describes the overall experience of living in this creation that is under God's curse. But secondly, Job models for us what it means to trust in God alone for refuge and strength. In Job uh, chapter 19, we have, this, we, have this, we have these words. Listen. For I know that my Redeemer lives... And at the the last he will stand up on the earth. And after my skin has been thus destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another. But just tell me, isn't that actually a Christian response? Isn't that actually a Christian worldview? Because we know that our Redeemer... Christ Jesus has conquered death and he lives we will not fear but we will hope in our God and our Savior who is our refuge and strength God's power over creation grants us necessary security especially in Jesus we shouldn't fear even when nations and kings rage. And that is where our psalm takes us next in verses 4 to 7. Glass with me. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage. The kingdom's daughter, he utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob is our fortress. Now, God is certainly powerful in dealing with his enemies and the enemies of his people. And maybe, just maybe, the author is reflecting here in these verses on Isaiah chapters 36 and 37. And on how the Assyrian king, Sancherip, went against the king of Judah, Hezekiah. And we know that from from these chapters, that that the Lord reassured Hezekiah to trust in God alone, rather than in the nations. And king of Judah obeyed. So so the angel of the Lord kills 185,000 soldiers in the Assyrian camp and ends the siege of the city. The voice of God is equally powerful in creating the world and in judging the nations. Verse six, the nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. But it occurred to me just recently that this middle section, verses four to seven, is not so much about God's power or, or it is, of course. But I think it's more about God's presence. How come there is peace and security in the city of God, in Jerusalem? How come the city remains unshaken? Well, glance with me in verses 4, 5, and 7. It is the holy habitation of the Most High. Verse 5, God is in the midst of the city. Verse 7, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress the presence of god the presence of god is the security refuge the shelter the presence of god is one of the big big themes of the bible you might be wondering maybe how to explain to your friend or to your roommate or to your work colleague what is bible all about what is this book And there it is. The story of the Bible is about God and his plan to get his wandering people back to his presence. God's story doesn't end with peace in the earthly city of Jerusalem, though. The roaring waters and raging nations will always be a symbol of chaos and insecurity of this world for the glad streams of the river of god is the symbol of peace security and healing of the nations well the question is whether this can be achieved in this world the more i think about it the more i struggle seeing how it is possible really can there ever be achieved the healing between the nation of ukraine and Russia in this life? Well, I'm not that optimistic, but that doesn't mean there is no healing for the nations ever. There is, but only through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that ultimately, that will be in the heavenly Jerusalem, the heavenly city. Just hear the words of Revelation chapter 22. In verses one and two, there. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also, on the uh, uh, on either side of the river, the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. But that describes a picture of the heavenly Jerusalem, heavenly reality. Now, who is the person who can say God is our refuge and strength? A very present help. Even as the nations rage. Who? That is, that is the person Who knows and trusts in the timing of God's judgment of his enemies. Friends, the ultimate peace and security is only going to be achieved in the heavenly city of Jerusalem. That that city is going to be unshaken. Because God himself is going to be in the midst. Now, how does this knowledge help us as we face injustice, as we face evil in this world today? I think it guards us from becoming paranoid. I think it guards us from becoming bitter or cynical, or maybe all three together. I think, I think that knowledge is a remedy. That's all right. But I think most of all, it guards us from distrusting God. Now, I have a friend who is neck deep into the conspiracy theories. To quote him, he has exhausted YouTube material. I mean, can you ever do that? But he says he has done that. He would call call himself Christian, but he is very suspicious of everything that claims the label of being true. He distrusts the government, he distrusts, he distrusts the court, he distrusts EU, NATO, etc. And he said to me the other week as, as we met for a chat, if I would stand up to speak, then most likely he would distrust me too. I mean, don't misunderstand, I don't mind a healthy degree of distrust. I mean, as far as checking my speech against the scriptures, I actually encourage a healthy de- degree of distrust. But but that was almost that almost sound, sounded to me as a deistic view of the world, my friend's view. Meaning God has created this world, you know, as a as a clock. He's a, a great maker of this clock, and it we can acknowledge it's not functioning properly really. But I mean, you know, he continues ticking. But God is somewhere away. He has abandoned, has abandoned this world. He has left it to us. Well, it's a pessimistic view of this world, isn't it? It's a very pessimistic view of God being in charge of His world. Now, friends, by contrast, we who trust in God, we know by faith that God is very present with us. Mm-hmm. Jesus, our Advocate, intercedes for us personally. Jesus and the Father sent other help of the Holy Spirit to reassure us of his presence and power. So let the creation dissolve. Let the nation's rage and kingdoms totter. But the Lord of hosts is with us, very present help. And our fortress. Now how should we respond to these truths? And I think that brings us to finally to the verses 8 to 11. Glance with me. Come, behold the works of the Lord. How he has brought desolation on the earth. He makes wars seeds to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I'm God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Now these final verses say that everyone, everywhere, is invited to... Did you see the commands? Come, see, be still, know the Lord will stand in judgment. He will stop all rebellion and wars. Isn't that good news? In God alone, there is refuge and, and peace. However, the Lord achieves this peace by enforcing it. Verse 9, He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Now, this verse reminds me of an incident from my childhood. A quick disclaimer. I promise not to tell many of these childhood stories to you because preachers' childhood stories are often perceived as a a substitute for poor poor preparation for the (laughs) sermons. So, just this one instance, bear with me. Anyway, part of our carefree childhood summers in the country my brother and my cousins, we spent making bows and arrows. I mean, you can, you can perceive my favorite movie genre uh, back in the days. Of course, our grandparents' instructions were very clear. We were, we were to be training in shooting bow and arrow on, on the old tree stump. We had this old big tree stump. But soon enough, we discovered that shooting gets much more fun when the target is actually moving. And so we turned the bow and arrow against each other. And there might be a chicken somewhere in between. Mm -hmm. And so our grandparents got to know that. So, our game of shooting was short-lived. One day, Grandpa came to us, he took our bows, he took our arrows, and he broke them in our presence. There was finally peace, but not because we wanted it. No, there was peace because he was enforced, our Grandpa enforced peace. And I think that is something God does on a global scale, but we need the eyes of faith to see it. This is not the promise about the immediate ending of current wars. As much as we would love, that's not what God is promising. However, that is promise that the Lord will sustain and keep and uphold the souls of His people. We sang the second song. He will hold us fast. He will uphold His people through the gospel. In Jesus, but He will judge and uh, judge the ungodly. I think I think Apostle Peter is onto something in, in chapter three in his second letter, uh, as he mentioned that. Two Peter chapter three. Let me read from verse five about the ungodly who will be judged. of the ungodly the lord will bring peace by enforcing it so what should the response uh, our response be and i think verse 6 sorry 10 directs us stop rebelling against the living god but at verse 10 be still and know that i am god I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Now perhaps we are used to hearing verse 10 differently, as a call to quiet, uh, to quiet down, as a call to reflect on how amazing God is. And often psalms really encourage to do us uh, to, to, to do that. At least that's what I was encouraged to do at one uh, huge Christian conference many years ago. Uh, uh, This was the theme verse of the conference Uh, one evening. The lights were dimmed, quiet music, stillness before the Lord, and there's nothing wrong with that. But it's not quite what the author wants to say to us in verse 10. That's not the right verse. The context of, of this this, this verse is still the rebellion of the nations against the living God. The psalmist commands the rebelling nations, be still and behold God. Stop rebelling against Him. As Psalm 2 uh, reminds us, this, this foundational psalm of the whole, of the whole uh, Psalter, just listen to it. Now, friends, of course, it is very easy to see how this applies to the President Putin and his war machine, isn't it? But I think it takes an honest reflection to admit that there are some corners of our hearts which the light of the gospel should pierce through still. There must be. Be still unknown. The Lord is God. But I suppose most of us need the reassurance of verse 11 this morning. No matter how tough we might seem. Verse 11. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. His name was Martin. He kicked off one of the greatest revivals in the church history. He had a spine of steel. And yet he was so desperate, in such a desperate need of God's grace and of comfort from a friendly shoulder. Yes, it is Martin Luther, who in the midst of various threats and opposition, he found the necessary reassurance and comfort. Exactly Psalm 46, hence the famous song, A Mighty Fortress. Is our God. Reportedly at one such instance Luther had said to his friend Philip Mallington, Philip come let us sing Psalm 46. And so we have a song, just a quick quote. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Our helper he amidst the flood of mortal ills prevailing. Now, we, however, are going to encourage each other in singing together Psalm 62. But before that, let's pray. And loving Heavenly Father, we praise you for being ever-present, unfailing, well-proven refuge and strength for your people. Father, even as... We experience the, the calamities and tragedies in this world. We praise you for being our refuge, especially in Jesus. And knowing that you are in control of this fallen world, grant us make you our you alone our refuge. Father, please forgive us for making you God plus. Father, help us grant us strength to trust you alone. Not money, not our education, not our achievements, not our family, but you alone. And Father, as the nations range, as the rulers want to rule the whole world, Father, help us trust you that you will see that your people are safe in your unshaken city even if we lose everything in this world we will be safe with you in the heavenly city where you will be present and Father so please shine with your light the light of the gospel in our often dark hearts still Father that we might be still before you We confess that we are in need of your grace and your uh, your comfort, your help to obey you. Father, please reassure us that you really are the God who is exalted amongst Mm -hmm. all the earth as we find shelter, as we find our strength and refuge in you alone. Amen. Amen.